1: Well, we've seen it four times so far. We've thought about it, and we can't stop thinking about it. It's changed our opinions, it's strengthened the mythos, and it's pushed the saga forward. This is our one week breakdown of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts charlotte and caitlin hello and welcome to sky talkers i'm your host charlotte
0: hey everyone i am your other host caitlin and we are here to talk again all about the last jedi and we're super excited to start actually doing some more in-depth breakdowns of the last jedi because this is by no means the last time we'll be talking about (laughs) the last jedi
1: no. And like, I know every time we're like, we're so excited. And we're, like, generally, we generally, generally, we are really excited. But like, honestly, all day, all I could think about was like sitting down at this microphone for like the next hour uh-huh. and a half to two hours to talk yep. about this movie, like, yep. in depth. Yep. And so basically, Caitlin and I have seen this movie now four times together and four times in total each. Mm-hmm. Um, and my flight actually got canceled out of Atlanta on Sunday night. So I was able to see it one more time with Caitlin and it was great. Yeah,
0: we drove like an hour to meet each other in the middle. Cause I went back to school after this weekend, after the premiere weekend and after Charlotte's flight got canceled, we were like. Well, what's in the middle? Let's <laughs> go <gonna> see <laughs> The Last Jedi.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I use my movie pass. Guys, everyone needs to get a movie pass. Um, it's not even sponsored. Just, like, do it. If you're going to see <laughs> The Last Jedi, like, 15 times, like, I know I am, I, I'm i so thankful for the movie pass. Anyway, we took a lot of notes, and we've thought a lot, and we've talked a lot about this movie, and I feel like the discourse that's been going on is so controversial And honestly, a little exhausting. And I think in this podcast, we're really just going to talk about what we want to talk about. And I, I mean, we do that always, right, Caitlin? (laughs) But it's like, I know that this, this, basically the reviews that have been coming out from like certain groups of fans have really confused me, but that's okay. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion and I know I'm really excited to talk about it with Caitlin again because I think our opinions about this movie have kind of evolved over time as well, especially since the last time we recorded our initial podcast after mm-hmm, the last show. Yeah.
0: So if you listen to our immediate reaction, it was quite literally immediate. I mean, the the I think it was it's the second section of our our reaction episode and we literally walked out of the theater got in the car and talked about the movie like there was no lag time we barely talked about it to each other aside from what the heck did we just watch (laughs) um but uh, yeah the it's it's crazy how divisive and varied the reviews are for this movie i think it's It's so interesting, and and honestly, I think that's the mark of a good movie that we're all going to be going back to for years to come. And of course, there are going to be things in this podcast moving forward, and I'm sure in the past, that Charlotte and I talk about that a lot of you don't agree with, that you don't like our theories, things like that. Um, But there's also some stuff that hopefully you do like, or else why are you listening? <laughs> Keep listening. We love you listening. <laughs> um, but that's the great thing about Star Wars is that it is such an expansive universe that we can all agree that we love just being in this galaxy, even if we don't necessarily all love the same things equally within the galaxy. So I hope you'll, you'll strap in for our last Jedi episode because we are we're really excited <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: I'm ready <laughs> before we jump into our sections because we are doing a three part format in this episode. I kind of just want to talk to you about like where do we stand with this movie right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts because I know in our second after we saw it the second time when I was sick, um we were still kind of a little bit on the fence about certain things, and yeah,, um, where are we now?
0: Well, after the first viewing, I Overall, I loved it, but there were big chunks of it that I wasn't super jazzed about. For some reason, I keep using the word jazzed when I'm talking about The Last Jedi. I'm like, there weren't things I was super (laughs) jazzed about. Um, But it's funny because in subsequent viewings, a lot of the things that I didn't like as much, I've come to appreciate more. And I think a, a big part of that is because I was just – I was so excited to see Kylo in this movie and Rey and the fact that like their Skype – their forced Skype thing and their throne room battle was – is like the apex for Star Wars for me right now. That every time I watched the movie the first couple times, it was like that was all I wanted to see. (laughs) <laughs> and I like the second time we were watching it before Charlie got sick, I was like, all right, here comes Ray and Kylo. Here comes Ray and Kylo. Here's a scene with Ray. Here's a scene with Kylo. Here's the throne room scene. Like, that was all I was thinking about. And so I wasn't allowing myself to enjoy the other parts of the movie because I was so anxious to get back to that particular story arc. But now, especially on this fourth viewing, I think I really kind of paid attention more to the other parts of this movie. And there there are still some parts of it that I don't love, but overall I think I love the entirety of the movie a lot more
1: now than I did after the first viewing. Yeah, I after the first two viewings I was like still wrapping my brain around it. And the movie is supposed to do that. You know, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to not walk I don't think you're supposed to walk out of it and be like that movie was perfect that was the perfect description of what i thought the star wars universe was going to be you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i think it's it's really supposed to defy those expectations and it definitely did and in time i especially my third viewing where i saw it, my parents came and you and me were there and i was like this is my favorite Star Wars movie ever. And I also had, like, basically a mental breakdown, like, crying in so was, many of those scenes. I, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, it was just, like, I, I just I, I felt so all the emotions, really, when I was watching it that time. And I was, like, this is really the premier Star Wars experience that I wanted. This is what I wanted from The Last Jedi. Everything mm-hmm. that I needed, I didn't know, or even that I didn't know I need was in this movie. And I'm so happy with it? Yeah. 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 I'm overall I'm very happy with
0: it. Um, it's funny because I just wanna give a shout out to the girl at our showing last night, Charlotte, who we were at a we were at a Eight forty-five Sunday night showing of the Last Jedi, and so the theater wasn't <laughs> packed, but there was this girl sitting two seats down from Charlotte and I, and this had to have been the first time she saw it because she was just a wreck. Um, <laughs>
1: it was it was so it good, was, <laughs> like <laughs> it was like what we feel on the inside. Yes. She was like. Writhing, kind of freaking out. It was, yeah, it was she, amazing. I wish that she I was there was leaning forward in my <laughs> seat. She was cursing all throughout the second half of the movie. It was like pretty much from the throne room scene on. She was just all in, and and then and then like in the quiet moment, she was like, "Oh my god, this movie is so stressful." Yeah, she got out <laughs> for like saying, she, she was like, "I was so stressful and like walked
0: out." <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, so shout out to that girl. Hope you're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think she
1: liked it. I but think she it did still, too. It was funny. One of the
0: things I, I've loved about reading the reviews of this film is, that, is people talking about how Ryan Johnson is completely throwing away all our expectations about what a Star Wars movie should be. And I think one of the par- parallels I really liked, and I hope this doesn't sound mean, but that The Force Awakens was a movie – like, J.J. was a Star Wars fan making that movie – but the Last Jedi it's like Ryan Johnson's doing that more like the Last Jedi feels more like a film George Lucas could have made.
1: Yeah. What what is what is that analogy that you read me earlier today about like how JJ gave us the lightsaber and Ryan literally cut it in half. Oh, it was it was just talking about
0: like like JJ being a fan of Star Wars and how he was very reverent of this legacy that he was past. And for good reason. Like, I mean, we've talked about this a hundred times. The Force Awakens had a purpose to reboot this franchise. And a big part of doing that was appealing to the nostalgia of the original trilogy, for better or for worse. And so you have J.J. treating – like literally treating Luke Skywalker and Anakin's lightsaber as this really spectacular mythology that needs to be cherished and this lightsaber that has been hidden away for for years and it's, you know, called to Ray, and it's this relic. And then Ryan takes it and literally splits it in half and is like,
1: none of that matters you you can Which is yeah. To to us we're like, yes, because we're like risks, which is yeah. what we've been saying for a year. Mm-hmm. But I and I completely get why there would be reactions to this movie where that would it would be like a completely visceral reaction mm-hmm. where it would be like, Whoa, you're splitting apart something I love. Yeah. Which Yeah, exactly. Is weird. Yeah. But it's like to to me it's like I had to sit myself down really and be like, this is okay. And I'm going to take this for what it is.
0: Yeah. And there was there was another review. I think it, it, it Pablo Hidalgo tweeted it. It was the screen review, I think. And basically it talked about how all of these things that we've been obsessing over for the past two years, um, like who Ray's parents are, Ryan doesn't care. Who Snoke is, Ryan doesn't care. Like gets him out of the way, gets that out of the way. Like those are unimportant things in the overall story. And it's like – Every and, and we'll talk about this too throughout, but there are so like this film is
1: so meta, like <laughs> so meta. It's so meta. I didn't even pick up on it the first time we saw it, but like the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is the most self referential and like completely meta inside like Lucasfilm, even <laughs> movie ever.
0: And like the way that Ryan writes this film, he's so aware of what fandom is thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean like the my favorite one my favorite part of this is when they're on the island and Luke and Ray are talking about the force and Ray's having that moment where she's talking about it, or um, where Luke gives her basically an Obi-Wan spiel and is like, this is what the force is. And Ray, aka the audience, we're all like, Okay, but what is it? (laughs) (laughs) and that's what the audience has been asking for the past 40 years and and even and even then i still love how ryan doesn't really explain it to you but gives you a much better visualization of what it is while still keeping the mysticism of it alive
1: Mm -hmm. Um, yeah anyway yeah but I, I think that we just needed to talk about that before we dive into each of our parts. So let's just go for it. In part one, we're going to be talking about the Resistance plotline, which is Poe, Rose, Finn, Haldo, Leia, etc. And in part two,
0: we're going to be talking about Luke on Octo, plus his backstory with Ben and that Yoda scene.
1: And then in part three, we're going to be talking about Ray and Kylo. Strap in, gentlemen. Get ready for that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and without further ado, let's get started. So, who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Okay. Here we are. Part one The Resistance. So, really, I think this is probably the plot line that people kind of had the hardest time with, right? Is what we're seeing is that people didn't really respond to this, including you, right, Caitlin? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, you didn't. I, I, I love this. I never really had a problem with it. I, I think it's great. I'm excited to explore Poe and Rose and Finn, whatever. Um, but I was wondering, like, do you have a theme that you can extrapolate from this? I think the, the overall point
0: of the Resistance storyline i guess is just the continual breakdown of the resistance and i think the film did this really well of just showing them getting beaten down and beaten down and beaten down and more of their fighters more of their bombers are killed and picked off and they do that really well well visually and especially at the end when rose and finn show back up at the resistance on crate and rose rose is the first one to notice she's like is this all that's left And there's there's like such sorrow there and a hopelessness there. And so you really are left at the end of it of like, how are, how is the resistance going to bounce back from this? Uh, Because they've sent out the distress call and no one answered. And so where do they go from here? Uh, I think that was the big thing. And then I think it was a lot about, I was just surprised at how much time we spent with Poe in this, in this particular storyline. And the thing is, I love Poe and I loved the storyline and give me Oscar Isaac on screen any day, all day, I'll take it. Uh, But it felt like he was, he kind of took over Finn's role as that like other main character when he, that's, he wasn't that in the force awakens. And I felt like Finn wasn't given as much time in the movie as he should have had given his role in the force awakens.
1: I agree with that. I think that they needed to really establish. Well, they didn't need to, I guess. Is your argument Mm -hmm. is like, and Poe in the the Force Awakens was going to die, a small character, etc. But we all fell in love with him because he's Oscar Isaac and he has, you know, so much charisma. Oh my god! Plastic bag. (laughs) exactly and like i do so (laughs) literally
0: every time poe interacted with another character on screen charlotte and i turned to each other and we're like i
1: ship it (laughs) like literally Literally. every single thing like it's unreal his relationship with bb8 to his relationship with finn to his like sudden relationship with admiral Connix. okay Commander Connix? I do
0: Yeah, that cute little <laughs> yes. look when is like, what's going on? And Connix is like, it's nothing, and then looks back at Poe and is like, it's something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I found this part of the story really, I, I loved it. I, I mean, I wrote down in my notes last night <laughs> that <laughs> Listen to women is what I wrote down. And I feel like this entire part is really all about yes. that is how you shouldn't. I mean, Haldo <laughs> knew what she was doing this entire time. Poe did not give her the light of day, immediately mistreats her and misjudges her. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was really important. I mean, it doesn't really, people are calling Poe like a misogynist, which I think is like not right. A really unfair um, assumption. But I think that like, I think it really shows that like people know what they're doing and is people like Haldo, even though she might seem like she comes out of nowhere really in this movie, people like that can pull off something incredible like Haldo did in the mm-hmm. end. And I even mm-hmm. think that that's kind of true for um, Rose as well. I mean, she comes from basically behind pipes and somehow saves Finn in the end. And it's awesome. And I, I-, I loved these two storylines going head to head against each other. Um, especially Finn's growth, which I, you say is very, like, he doesn't have as much screen time as he should, but I still think that he, by the end of the movie, feels a sense of belonging in the resistance that he didn't have in the beginning. His first words are about Ray. He asks where Ray is, and... In the end, he knows that he should be in the resistance and that this is where he's going to be with or without Mm -hmm. Ray.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I like how he came – like how that character development happened. I just wish there had been more of it and maybe – Yeah, because I love Finn. Yeah, yeah, and it's because I love Finn so much and John Boyega. But I mean, until he meets Rose, which is a good bit into the movie, he doesn't really do anything. He, he he asks yeah. where Ray is and then I think he asks one more time and then you just kind of see him standing around a little bit and then he finally, <laughs> like, meets Rose and that, that's when his story kind of picks up. But even then we spend – I think we flip back to Poe a lot more often than we do Finn. Um, yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, to be, that being said, I really liked – Poe's arc too in this. That's the weird thing. It's like I really liked what they did with both of the characters. It just, it's weird that we spent so much time with Poe when we really, given how much screen time he has in The Force Awakens, uh, they really upped mm-hmm. his screen time.
1: I was listening to Savannah Kiefer and Brian's show, The Dorky Diva show today, and they were talking about how um more like savannah was talking about how she even though she liked haldo she wished that haldo was replaced with leia and that that they kind of built up leia's storyline a little bit more and i Hmm. i kind of i can see that point of view and i kind of like as a leia lover i'm like yeah more leia like that would have been good but i do kind of like this idea of like This person coming out of nowhere and challenging the expectations of the characters Mm -hmm. Um, while Leia remains such a a, a basically such a beacon in the resistance and the rebellion and the galaxy at this point that they I feel like introducing this new like kind of out there character was a smart move. Um, It challenges every single character, basically, in the resistance, I think.
0: I think it did, too. I definitely think we could have accomplished the same kind of character growth without her, though. Yeah. And it kind of makes you wonder. And we all know that 9 was supposed to be Leia's story. And Mm -hmm. and that probably attributes to why she wasn't in as much of Episode 8, which, of course, is a shame given, obviously, the passing away of Carrie Fisher and that that won't happen now. But wait, it was interesting what you said about, about Leia being a beacon of hope in the galaxy. And we've always believed her to be, but at the end, no one answers her signal. And she sent out her personal signal. And so it's kind of just another – um you know, a lot of a lot of people have been talking about the the older generation dying away and they weren't able to win the war in the end. Even though they were successful at the end of Return of the Jedi, nature has it still comes back. Yeah, it's all come back around. Yeah. And it's like that way needs to die out. And even Leia is not the Leia we left in Return of the Jedi or even in The Force Awakens. And it's sad, but it's it's kind of like as is life, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, let's revisit the whole space Leia scene again.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Does it get better to you as it's the i time watching? It doesn't. <laughs> I I don't you don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I wish I liked it. Yeah. The, I I I'm I trying to it. like it. Yeah. I'm defending it no matter what, to other people. <laughs> I'll be okay not defending it. The thing is, I like
0: the elements of it. I really – that image of her just floating out in space I think is beautiful. And mm-hmm. I love the – how you can see like the the crystals on her skin. Mm-hmm. But then she starts flying and – I just
1: wish she was a little closer. That's it. Yeah.
0: When, after you said that, when we watched it again, I kept thinking about how this would be so much better if she – was closer to the ship
1: and it was less flying and more just like oh she's out there yeah let's cut this down by like 20 seconds mm-hmm. yeah i because I, I i like the concept and the idea of like she's always saved herself so of course she's gonna save herself also see seeing- exactly and like that's obviously a huge hallmark of her character and i think that obviously this is the last time we're going to see leia in star wars so it's like i'm glad that we have this basically that moment um i just i i i'm trying to in my head try to improve it because i like the sentiment but i'm not sure if i like the whole sequence yes
0: yeah i don't i don't dig space leia i feel like it's going to be one of those things People, like, in, in years to come, you know, in 30 years, people will be like, and here's that silly kooky scene of Leia flying through space. Didn't know the Force <laughs> could do that.
1: <laughs> but it's, like, it's so exciting that we get to see Leia use the Force after so many years of people debating about, like, whether Leia could. And it was, like, always, like, oh, yeah, of can. course she could. And this is the most explicit use of that. Yeah. And for that, yeah. I am very grateful. Same. I just, I don't dig space Leia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a fan of space like. <laughs> so
1: let's talk about canto bite
0: yes canto bite canto bite was another sequence that really not until this last viewing did i really enjoy and again i think this goes back to me being like a hundred percent into the ray kylo and luke storyline that everything else i was just like I need to get through this to get back to Ray and Kylo and Luke. (laughs) But I've grown to like it a lot more. And I know a lot of people have said that it's kind of, it's long and ultimately pointless uh, mission that Finn and
1: Rose are sent on. But what do you think? I mean, I don't think it's pointless. Um, I think it's another example of, our characters. I mean, this movie, right, is about all these people failing. And this is another example of failure, but also subverting that failure to try to get something out of it <laughs> because they weren't able to accomplish the original mm-hmm. goal. Um and I love the fathier scene. Um I I I don't know. I just think it, it feel it felt the whole fathier part feels very Star Wars y to me. I know a lot of people disagree, but I, it felt so Dave Filoni to me. The fact that there's all these different creatures really also feels very Dave Filoni to me. Um, and I, I've grown to appreciate it as well. I also have grown to appreciate DJ who originally I did not really like that much, but I actually really like what he represents. And as, as much as people will say like him basically being good and bad is a little too explicit for the theme of this movie that I think that a lot of the audience members need that actually in this movie to show that not everything is black and white. And I I really genuinely appreciate that addition.
0: Yeah. This, this movie feels like Ryan Johnson and Dave Filoni are best friends and I'm for it. (laughs) I think that's the thing I love most about this movie. I think is that one, I feel like there's a lot of Dave Filoni. I, I tweeted about this, and I can't remember who responded, but someone talked about it as a Filoni flair. And I, I just love that. A uh, Filoni flair to the movie. But like the way that Ryan and Dave both kind of characterize and talk about the Force and also use other characters to demonstrate to our main characters how this war is not black and white and how – yeah. Everything like you may think that someone is evil on the onset, but that doesn't mean they are. Or you may think someone is good on the onset,
1: but they're not. Um And that is so Clone Wars to me. I mean, how many times was that like completely hammered over our heads in Clone Wars yeah. about the separatists and the Republic? Yeah, I you mean, know, I mean heroes mean, on both sides, right? Exactly. Yeah. And
0: I think that was perfectly executed when uh, DJ is talking to Finn about the ship and he's like, oh, let's see who owns this ship. And it's someone who owns, who was selling weapons to the First Order. And you see this like look of... Uh, almost like I told you so on Finn's face. And then Finn realizes that he also sold to the resistance and you you see this like genuine shock on Finn's face because he, he can't believe it. And you think about where these characters have come from, especially Finn growing up in the first order. That's, I mean, as he says, that's the only life he's ever known and Mm -hmm. evil is all he's ever known, like pure evil. And so he comes to the good side to the resistance or really he he finds Ray, and Ray is this epitome of goodness to him, right? And but now he's starting to have a greater understanding of the world and see that, you know, it is as DJ says, it is a machine. It's all a machine. Yeah. You blow them up, they blow you up. And I love DJ's line at the end after he is stepping away, and Finn kind of has this moment of like, that's not what it's about. And DJ just looks at him and says, maybe and then he walks away it's just like i i don't know why
1: but i i just loved that moment between the i two think of that's them. like so star wars to me mm-hmm. it's like it's or like present day star wars mm-hmm. where it's like <laughs> They're not going to give you the definitive answer, mm-hmm. yeah. ever.
0: If you if you want to know the future of Star Wars, look to the animation. Look department. to the
1: animation. <laughs> I mean,
0: come on! There was literally like a white loth cat, and Poe says, "Follow me." <laughs> like, yeah. as He's following the Volptex.
1: <laughs> I know,
0: and also it was- Phasma and the cutting of her her face mask. I mean. Ryan Johnson is a huge Dave Filoni stand and he's rewatched Rebels season two finale a couple of times. I swear
1: to the force. <laughs> he was like, wow, that was such a cool reveal. Yeah, yeah, wow. Was. <laughs> Interesting way to show humanity. can mm-hmm. hmm. I put that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what was yeah. happening. <laughs> oh, love that. <laughs> love you, Dave. <laughs> yes. So just one final thing about Finn. I think it's interesting how Finn like basically has never seen someone finish a task really within the rebellion or anything. And he has never finished a task either. So when he sees Rose like rise up as a hero, Rose is literally the epitome of a hero mm-hmm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it it really shows him how it's done. Really yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and gone. He's he's just I think he's like kind of smitten with the idea of like this is how you're supposed to be part of a rebellion to be part of a resistance mm-hmm. and he needed to be shown that because Ray wasn't going to do that Ray doesn't have really any super huge attachment to the resistance um, at this point so it's it's I, I love I love Rose and I love her I love
0: Rose <laughs> too one of the things that I loved most about her is that she never hesitates to do the right thing in this movie. Yes. She she's like the the purest form of a resistance fighter that I think we've seen really so far. There there there's no hesitation in her actions from when she stuns Finn in the beginning for desertion to when she stands up for the Fadiers to when she saves Finn at the end of the movie. She just she does immediately because it's the right thing to do. And even the the motif of the resistance theme that plays over her it's just like this it's, like, so distilled down. I think it's probably, like, one or two instruments, really, at its core. And it, it plays over her specifically. No one else. And it's,
1: mm-hmm. it's just, like, pure resistance. I think, yeah, completely. And, you know, in the beginning of this movie, she should be vengeful. She should be mad. And because... Her sister just died, and there she is working behind pipes, crying alone. Mm -hmm. But she's not. She really – she doesn't – you're right. She doesn't hesitate to do the right thing, and it's just so awesome. And her quote at the end, it's not about fighting the people you hate. It's about people – saving the people you love is, I really think, the epitome of Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. And I, like, almost teared up when I heard her say that. And
0: I think it's something that is going to – it, it's something that's plagued Star Wars is this idea, and from like a storytelling point, I don't mean like a critique of Star Wars, but that you have to overcome the enemy when that's not the case. Yeah. You have to show compassion and love. That's how Luke saves Vader in Return of the Jedi is not by taking down the the Empire, it's by reaching out in love to his father. And mm-hmm. I think we we saw hint. We'll get into this in part three, but we saw hints of that with Ray and Kylo of having compassion for one another, and that I th- I think that has to be where we end in episode nine. I I'll be honest right now. I, I kind of have like every hour I go back and forth on if that's actually going to happen. But I think Same. I think that I, right now I'm like yes, that needs to happen. But we'll see what happens when we get to part three. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So, should we move on to Luke? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's do it. <laughs> Listen, big deal. You got another problem. Women always figure out the truth. Always.
0: Okay. Welcome to part two, which is all about. Luke Skywalker and Octo, Luke's backstory with Ben Solo, and that really great Yoda scene, which I can't believe I'm saying that, but yeah, that really great Yoda scene. <laughs> I I loved Luke in this in this viewing. It's it's honestly still like so much to process.
1: Yes, and I feel like we're going to be processing it forever. Yeah, yeah, agree. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. Um, like, I can't even say, like, a year. I honestly think yeah. forever. <laughs> so. It's, it's so – and we
0: said this, too, when because uh, if you listen to our reaction show, we had a couple of clips from before the movie where we were going to the movie theater. And Charlotte and I, during our, like, social media blackout, Charlotte was just, like, bombarding me with these texts about how Luke Skywalker was going to die in The Last Jedi. And I was like, Charlotte, you got to stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I've thought about this and – now that we're here at the movie, I've blocked it out, <laughs> and you keep reminding me. Um, Whoops! Yeah, and I think I think it was the right choice to do, but it's it's still so hard because this is a character that we've grown up not not even myself, but like whole generations of people have grown up attached to and loving and. He, like, making him a part of our mythology, quite literally a mythic figure in modern pop culture. And now he's gone. And, boy, you gotta have guts to do that.
1: Oh, so, so much, much guts. guts. Oh, my God. We thought that we thought that J.J. had guts to kill Han Solo, but, like, this. <laughs> yeah. And showing Luke, like, the way he is in the beginning of this movie as well. It's just... To me, I... I feel like if we were going to get Luke at all, we were going to see a very complicated Luke, mm-hmm. and we did see that. Or else, why have him? Yeah. Um. Basically, from a storytelling standpoint, it's like why bring back him if he was just going to be the same as he was? Yeah,
0: because cl- clearly he's um, not the same, or we would have seen him in the Force Awakens. Exactly. You know, and um,
1: yeah, I, I just it's a lot. It is. A- <laughs> it's one of. Is- and I'm still like I'm I'm still struggling with the beginning of the movie of seeing Luke like that. And I, I feel like we're supposed to yeah. struggle. We're supposed to be like, whoa, yeah. what the heck? Luke tossing the saber, Luke like basically not responding to Ray as she stalks mm-hmm. him. And it's just so interesting. It
0: is. Also, let's talk about how I I don't love the moment that Luke tosses the lightsaber because it's it's one of those moments of humor that doesn't land for me very well, but Charlotte swears up and down that that's not supposed to be a funny mo- moment. But every time, I just I honestly don't think it's supposed time to be funny.
1: watched it, the whole crowd has laughed. I just feel like they're laughing because people don't know how to react because there's so much built up tension to it. But I really think he's he's not like laughing as he throws it beyond his shoulder. He's not like smiling. He's angry and tossing it away. And I feel like if you see that as a Comedic moment. I feel like you're kidding yourself.
0: So, like four full theaters are all kidding themselves. <laughs> I feel like people don't know how to respond besides that because that's just like I it's think literally. So yeah, shocking. I mean, I think that's the point of it too. But I think it. I think that that intention, which I think what you're saying that is the intention of the scene, would have been better served if he had just like dropped it and yeah. just like walked away from her. You know i don't know
1: it's crazy yeah um it's still like the beginning of that when he sees like the big giant i don't know the whole beginning of this introduction to luke is like it's very it's a lot for me
0: yeah it's it's so strange strange. we were watching and i was like what is what is happening who is this man and i think that's exactly (laughs) what ryan johnson wants you to ask is who is this person now this is not Mm -hmm. return of the jedi luke this is the last jedi
1: luke Yes. And it's like it's <laughs> I just think it's really interesting on this last viewing and noticed how that whole part when Ray is stalking Luke essentially mm-hmm. um <laughs> following him on his daily routine. Yeah. The Ray's theme plays overhead. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I think it's because we are really the Ray right character in that moment discovering who Luke is. Yeah. And it's not like because that really doesn't embody who Luke is and who Luke the mythic character is supposed to be. So the force theme isn't gonna play over that. Yeah. It's Ray's experience. It's Ray's journey. and I feel like that kind of like kind of embodies this whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> in a way.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it too. It's like in that moment we're catching up with Luke. like we're seeing what his day-to-day routine has been for the past I don't know 10, seven, seven to ten years while he's been on the island and it's it's not at all what we want. And it's not what Ray wants either. No, yeah. Uh, one of the things we had talked about before the last Jedi came out was this idea of redemption and like what makes a character redeemable. And this idea about what if Ray had turned out turns out that Ray kills Luke Skywalker, would we want her redeemed from that? Would we be able to forgive her for that? And what I was not expecting at all was the actuality of having to deal with forgiving Luke for his. Intention, however fleeting it was, to kill Ben Solo. Yeah, are you struggling? I'm, I'm struggling. It was, it was, <laughs> I, when when that happened in the movie, I audibly gasped. I was like, what? What? <laughs> like that? That blew my mind. That Luke would ever be capable of that, and I think he is capable of that. It was it was just like that. I mean, the last time we saw Luke, he was telling he was pleading with Leia to let him go, save Vader, to redeem Vader because there was good in him. And in a shot that perfectly mirrors Ray and Kylo's shot too, Luke is telling his father, "I see the conflict in you. You're not going to kill me. There's light in you," echoing his mother's, you know, faith in mm-hmm. Anakin. And then to think that and, – and Anakin was someone Luke didn't know at all, had only just met and immediately was like, I got it, I'm going to save him. And to think that Luke could come from having that experience to Kylo, his nephew, his sister's son, someone he's watched grow up and loves and having that moment of wanting
1: to kill him, it's its really intense. Um it, it's so intense. And like, the thing is, is that I'm, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about, I made this connection and Yoda says this in this new movie too. Uh, you know, Luke, you n- never know what's in you, you all. You're never looking at what's in front of your face. You're always looking to the horizon, whatever, basically. Yeah. Right. um And I kind of think that's how he felt about Ben in that moment too. He was thinking about when he looked into his heart, as he says, and he, saw that it was basically overtaken by Snoke and his dark deeds, Mm -hmm. right? That um, he saw, he was really only looking to the horizon. He was really only looking to what was going to happen to the fate of the galaxy if, you know, Ben continued on this dark path. Rather than looking at literally what was right in front of his nose, his nephew sleeping basically innocently Mm -hmm. in front of him. And it's it's just like, he didn't... because he didn't have that pause that Yoda had warned him about in Empire Strikes Back, it yeah it 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 was his downfall. Yeah, yeah,
0: it, really. Yeah, I think that's such a good way to put it, and I love what Luke says in that moment when he's telling Ray, and he says, "It was you know for the briefest second I contemplated it, and it was it was gone in an instant, and I was left with shame and consequence." And mm-hmm. I I love that line because I. And I, and I I love the choice to do something like that to Luke because these are not perfect people and someone Exactly. And someone <laughs> like Luke who we've built up for the past 40 years to be like he's the only hope, he's the last hope, he's the last Jedi. He's got that mighty Skywalker blood. Even Luke takes himself too seriously. And he talks about that in the movie too and I love that choice as hard as it is as a major Luke Skywalker fan. To, to see your character do something that you just completely abhor. And also as a major Kylo Ren fan, too. Like, that's a really hard dynamic. Um, I know. You know?
1: It's like, At this point, it's like your two favorite characters. Yeah. If, like, Ahsoka was in there, what, what would you What would happen? What
0: would <laughs> if Ahsoka was in that scene.
1: Wow. <laughs> now I'm down a rabbit hole. Um, I digress. The thing is, is that you can totally see – I can, I can put myself in Luke's shoes in that moment and be like, the only way that I can save the galaxy as my job at this point, as it's become, mm-hmm. as Luke Skywalker, gotta kill my, my tormented, evil nephew. Yeah. But he's really not.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and Ray and and Ray says that when she confronts Luke, she says, "Your mistake was in thinking that the decision was already made for Kylo. It wasn't. It wasn't." And the thing I love too is that both sides, the the quote unquote light side and dark side, have all assumed that they know what was happening in Kylo, in Ben Solo's head. You know, Han and Leia both say there's too much Vader in him. And Snoke says there's too much Han in him. And Luke says there's too much Snoke in him. And, like, Kylo was never allowed to just be Ben Solo.
1: Ugh, we're not in the rain Kylo We're not part. in the rain Kylo <laughs> section. Um. <laughs> but it's still like, oh my god. It's so true. Yeah. And I, it's like all these different, basically mythic people are telling him how to be
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's just it's it's tough to reconcile as a luke fan and um but i think that makes his decision at the end of the movie really satisfying because he does have his own specific arc in this film Mm -hmm. that makes him in my eyes a redeemable hero hero for that moment um he comes back he stalls for his sister and his and like the troop of the resistance and I, I, I think it's just great. I am really happy with the ending that we got and the beautiful look at the sunset and everything.
0: Wow. beautiful. Um. <laughs> <laughs> can't
1: go there. You Emotions
0: can't. are too we're wrong. talk about that. Um, <laughs> uh, a theory that both of us were wrong on is that Luke never left the island. I, I know. I thought he was going to leave. I, I was he, positive. Me yeah, me too. And he never did. Uh, which you know he tells us at the beginning of the movie he says I came to this island to die.
1: It's just funny. Like after obviously you see it the second time and yeah. you're like, oh my god, he came to the is island to die, <laughs> <laughs> to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, and oh man. But
0: I, I yeah, I really liked Luke's story, and I appreciate how. Luke's story wasn't so intertwined with Rey's if that makes sense like obviously he was a mentor to her for a little bit but not in the way I think I was expecting and a lot of fandom was expecting I think I I expected Ray to be the 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 force for lack of a better term that got Luke to join the resistance and the resistance cause and why I think she was definitely part of his quote unquote redemption. So much of it was, was Leia and was Yoda and Luke's own self-awareness about the mistakes that he made in the past. I mean, he wasn't going to train Ray at all. And it wasn't until R2 showed him the video of Leia from a new hope that he decided he had he was going to do at least a little bit. And I love that parallel that the thing that made Luke leave Tatooine was Leia's plea for help. And the thing that caused him to open up to Ray finally was Leia's video from A New Hope. I just... Uh, I, love so good. I love it so much. I know. It's also, so good. Also, the only time we see Luke Skywalker really smile in this movie is when he sees R2 again.
1: That's the best it's, scene ever. I was so happy. I, that was a recognition I, I needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. And oh man, it was so good. And it makes me think of like, didn't Ryan request R two to be on the Falcon, and like that was kind of the reason at the end of the Probably. Force Awakens? Yeah,
0: yeah. And this is and I, it it really paid oh, off. I think in terms of I the story, I was not expecting that at all. So many and R two showed it, and I just. <laughs>
1: like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) It's another one of these things where it's like, I cannot believe how many, I mean, we all know Leia slash Carrie Fisher is a legend, but the fact is is that this movie talks about her and reveres her in a way that I'm so glad that we get even after Mm -hmm. her death. And I think it's easy to forget when someone dies, you know, obviously when someone dies, like everyone remembers them and everyone has their own personal experience with them, but it's like, we all kind of know how rare it was to have Leia, to have Carrie Fisher um, in this movie. And I think this movie, like, totally reveres that. And it's great. I, it's so amazing that we have that. Yeah,
0: it is. What I kept thinking about is what happens in 30 years when the emotional attachment to Carrie Fisher is not there anymore.
1: I don't think it's going to happen because we still have those original movies that are always going to be part of amazing film history. Yeah,
0: but we don't – like, a future generation isn't going to be as attached to Carrie Fisher's death like we are.
1: Yeah, but what I'm saying is that, like, in this movie, it was made – it was written even before that. And we still get these moments that are fantastic. Yeah, exactly.
0: I guess I was talking about – Like The emotion is heightened for us as an audience right now because we love Carrie Fisher as an actress and know that she's gone. Yeah. And so for us, that's probably never going to fade, like the double emotional impact of that for both the character of Leia and the actress Carrie Fisher, but future generations seeing Star Wars and the sequel trilogy
1: yeah I just feel like that that relationship that you see with Luke seeing his sister basically in the hologram again will never fade. I feel mm-hmm. like that emotion is very strong there I
0: agree uh one this is like this whole scene is something that like kind of paying homage to the past trilogies that I think ryan johnson Johnson does so much better than JJ Abrams or at least in the force awakens like JJ felt the need to have those. Uh, Easter eggs like the chess set and the training ball that felt like such big shout outs. Whereas all you needed was Luke sitting in the Falcon and talking to R2. And, sh- and even mm-hmm. and like showing that video is a major like Easter egg of like, oh, that's from A New Hope. But it doesn't feel like that because it has emotional impact on Luke's character development in this movie. Whereas – and story impact. And story impact, too. Yeah, exactly. And moments like that that we see in The Force Awakens don't have that same kind of importance. Like that chess scene is different for another no reason than it was in A New Hope. Yes. Agreed. Completely agree. So let's talk about Luke and Yoda. I love this scene. I don't know where it came from, and I love it. <laughs> As
1: someone who is a not a Yoda fan, why do you love it?
0: I don't. It just. It, it felt so right. I don't – I know.
1: It. I know. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> it, it felt so right that it was there. And you get to see – like, Luke is so angry. And he's just like, I'm going to burn it down. There's nothing you can do. And then he hesitates. And Yoda is like, I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> And Luke is just like, WTF Yoda, just like he was in Empire Strikes Back. And I love how you get to see some more of that relationship of, like, a training that was never finished. And it makes me wonder how many times Yoda has appeared to Luke since Return of the Jedi. My guess is not Mm -hmm. many, but that he has appeared to him before um, after Return of the Jedi. And I don't know, it was like Yoda had the perfect thing to say, and it was like a real acknowledgement of the, the sorrow that Luke has gone through in the past 10 years. I don't know. I really like it.
1: I honestly can't handle the quote of... What is the quote? Let's see. We are what they grow oh, beyond. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is the true burden of a master. Like yeah. Again, just like Rose Tigo's quote... I feel like this, again, completely embodies Star Wars. And you can't help but think about Mm Obi-Wan in this instance. And think about how Obi-Wan, for years and years and years, had this burden of the fact that he was involved somehow in Anakin's turn to the dark side. And I just, like, it makes you think about all the entire saga and then also laser-focused on Luke's entire Arc basically. And it's just uh it's so good. It's, it's really good. And it's too, it's
0: it's too like such a meta quote too for the sequel trilogy as a whole. It's growing yes. beyond what the original and prequel trilogy set up to become this new thing. And that's what Ray and Kyler are going to represent going into episode nine. We've we've let the past die. The past is dead, the mm-hmm. original trilogy is dead, the prequel trilogy is dead. Uh the mistakes of that gener- of those generations are over and it's finally time to atone for those mistakes and write
1: the wrong And make new ones. Yeah. And, and make, make new ones. ones. Yeah. Because but and it's just because that's failure is all part of it. Yeah. But I mean hopefully they end
0: on I mean, that's the thing. If this really is the end of the episodic Star Wars films no, oh,
1: I don't think it is. <laughs> it's not.
0: It's not, but we'll we'll get into that later.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, I guess the question is if they end on a high note, which will be really interesting because prequel trilogy does not end on a high note for obvious reasons, but original trilogy does, and yet yeah. history repeats itself. And so how will, like what kind of melding of Revenge of the Sith and Return of the Jedi will episode nine
1: be if if well, anything they're going to figure out a way to do it but i i don't know i just can't stop thinking about luke in the yoda scene honestly i just think that it's some of the most rich dialogue we've ever gotten mm-hmm. and i feel like it's one of those scenes that i'm just going to return to all the time yeah all the time yeah
0: it's oh my gosh yeah and we've already talked about it too but yoda talking about luke always looking toward the horizon never what's in front of his own nose which i mean that's he did that throughout every episode that we have these long mm-hmm. shots of Luke looking out to the horizon, anxious of anxious and anticipating what's to come. never like he it's very hard for Luke to be in the present. and I think that the fact that Ryan like drew attention to that
1: is is so great it's it's even just ironic that like. He brought himself outside of the present into a new present on crate at the very end too. It's like it's insane to me. It's so meta. (laughs) meta. (laughs) The more you think about this movie, and the more you think about like the plot choices and everything, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. What I mean, it too. It's like Luke
0: finally realizes that he has to he has to atone for his sins in the past. And I was thinking about this in the last viewing we had last night about him and Ray's relationship and that just like that visceral anger Ray feels towards Luke when she finds out that he lied to her about what happened with Ben at the training temple. Because in lesson number two when they're talking about it and Luke tells Ray his point of view, his certain point of view about what happened – Luke says he went to go confront Ben about what happened. And that isn't entirely true. And Ray says, mm-hmm. Kylo failed you. I won't. And Luke allowed her to believe that when it wasn't Kylo. I mean, yes, Kylo did fail Luke, but Luke also failed Kylo. And Luke left yeah. that out of the story purposefully. And I understand why Ray, like, was so angry at him for, for leaving that out. Um, And then finally, at the end, he confronts Kylo. Like, I can't – again, it's like I can't believe Luke never tried to reach out to Kylo again after what happened at the training temple. To be like, that's not what happened. He was just so ashamed that he ran away from Leia, from Han, from Kylo, from everyone, from Ben. And finally, after that talk with Yoda, realizes that he needs to – he needs to confront Ben
1: kylo ren himself and say i'm sorry wow and even like that conversation that he has at that fountain thing um that you were just referencing Mm -hmm. it's it's so interesting because he blames when he basically summarizes the prequel trilogy right about how darth sidious came to power he says like it was a jedi who allowed darth vader to become who he was interesting and it's it's so interesting. Can you believe that they made that choice to make Luke say that? I think it's like completely parallel to like Luke's mindset at that point. He considers himself the person to blame for Kylo Ren, so of course he's going to consider that Obi Wan is the person to blame for Darth Vader. Yeah. When of course we know in Star Wars, it's all about personal choice. It's all about everything that <laughs> it's not all it has to do with someone else. Yeah, right. It mm-hmm. never does.
0: I think it all, I mean I think it could also play into Luke's relationship with Obi-Wan as well because Obi-Wan like Luke to Rey kept out certain things about his parentage and lineage. And I wonder if there I wonder if there ever was any sort of bitterness moving forward especially
1: after what happened with Ben. Right. And I you have to kind of think about that, I think and kind of assume that there probably was. Um and it makes you think like I know that in my, in our initial reaction I was upset that Hayden Christensen didn't appear out of that forestry mm-hmm. but I am as we've covered I'm very happy with the Yoda scene. Yeah. Um, you just I wonder what his relationship is like to Force Ghost Anakin because you know it appeared to him and like what's the deal there? What is his relationship with that? And will Anakin show up as a Force Ghost to Ben in episode 9? I honestly think so, but in what capacity mm-hmm. and why? It's really interesting in terms of if you think about mentors and idols, really, um, as this kind of movie shows, and even in the Force Awakens a little bit because Kylo's idol is mm-hmm. Darth Vader. Um, what does that mean for the future, and what does it mean for these characters in in the future of like Episode Nine, basically? Because that's all we're left with. Yeah, oh my god! All of,
0: all of our <laughs> idols and heroes of the past are gone, and yeah, know, where does where does that leave us? Uh, but lastly, Ugh. we got a question from our good friend Jeffrey Fishbach to talk about the books, the Jedi books, the old Jedi journals. Which I didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but they're in the drawer in the Falcon. Either the same, yeah, at least one of them, is. or like a copy set.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Like, is it because it definitely is it? They wouldn't have showed that if it didn't mean anything if it was just, like, random books? Because when else do you see books you in Star Wars? <laughs> you don't. So it's like, what does that mean? Are they going to play into later about Rey's training?
0: I think so. I think, <sighs> I think Yoda what's... put them there. Because Yoda says, like, the Jedi are not over everything we have, everything we need, Rey has. And Leia says, too, we have everything d- we need. possesses. And so I think... OMG. Yeah. So That's I, true. I don't know if Leia knows the books are there, but I think it's again like she an, she she seems another to know kind meta <laughs> moment. Uh so I think yeah. I think Yoda put them there, like force moved them there when he blew up the tree just to like get Luke out of his head because Luke was so like Luke was stuck on the island like tethered to this old Jedi way and like I'm the last of the Jedi and the, I'm the last of this hokey religion now. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now that it was gone or Luke thought it was gone, he was liberated.
1: Oh ah! my God. <laughs> so many emotions with this movie. I'm sorry that that's basically all the noise that I'm making. <laughs> it's like sigh, deep, deep, deep sigh. sigh.
0: <laughs> Star Wars is tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It's okay. Just so sad and so emotional. All right. So should, should <laughs> so we, let's move let's on to it. Rey and Kylo. Let's, let's tackle that. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here we are in part three, and we're getting ready to talk about Rey and Kylo. Um, to preface this, I think that maybe we should talk about that we are have always been in favor of Kylo Ren's redemption. Yes. And I think that by learning Ray's parentage, which I honestly think is true, um, on the contrary to like so many fans, um, I think that I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna say. You go, Caitlin. You go, Caitlin.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll say as Charlotte did from the get go, Kylo Ren. I've been a hard Kylo Ren redemption. Story arc fan, if you've listened to our show for any amount of time, you know that we have heavily pushed for that and think that that is, is good for the character of Kylo, for Ben and, you know, for like the galaxy at large to not have a master knight of Ren running around on <laughs> a rampage. It's beneficial to all parties involved. <laughs> um, throughout the last Jedi promo and just like being a fan of Star Wars in general, I was never... I mean, of course, we're beating around the bush here to talk about romantic Relo. Let me just get that out of the way. I was never, I was never in favor of Raylo, but I, I feel like I was a lot more open to it than I think Charlotte was, and I won't speak for you, Charlotte. But, but yeah, I think that's a it's fair true. assessment. It wasn't ever anything that I outright said because I knew the like a lot of the fandom's opinion of it. And to be honest, I was like, "There's only one movie so far. I'm going to need to see another movie before I like." feel like I can make any kind of affirmative decision on how I feel about this one way or another Uh because I don't know that's that's to have romantic Raylo is a big thing for a lot of different reasons and I'll be honest right now I'm like my head is leaning a lot more towards romantic Raylo but I won't say it's there a hundred percent um and I think it's still like early days after the Last Jedi, and I think there's still a lot to process and think about when it comes to these two relate to these two characters and their relationship to one another. And I hope that for listeners who aren't a fan of Raylo, like that's okay that we can agree to disagree on this. Um, and I hope you also know that that would never be like to talk about romantic Raylo would never be a main focus of our podcast. Um, because Charlotte and I always like to talk about everything that's going on in Star Wars, not just one facet of Star Wars. So I hope if that wasn't something you were into, you would still like to listen to. It yeah, wouldn't you would exclude still like you to, listen to the rest yeah. of our show. Um, I think there. I think this has been the most divisive thing about this movie so far is the Ray and Kylo relationship, and I think you have to talk about romantic Raylo because. There was there was something going on in this movie <laughs> with it. And I like like I said before, I still don't really know how to feel about it, but there was some romantic tension there. And maybe I'm not interpreting it the way I should be, but something was going on and I need to talk about it and this is where I talk about it.
1: <laughs> okay, so fully agree.
0: Oh you're into just into gonna it. let me go off on this long thing.
1: Well, you completely said what I wanted to say as well, because I'm also not 100% there, And but I was never really... I was open to the idea of it in the Force Awakens era, but I wasn't going to completely attach myself to it just because I didn't know who Rey's parents are. And we just, you know, as Star Wars fans, we all have a history of, like, we, we don't want
0: to shift to people who really are incestuous.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, like, I think that you have to... Just given even Ryan Johnson's comments about Rey and Kylo before this movie came out about how he's, they're two halves of a whole and they're basically yin and yang and I mean the yin and yang stuff. It's oh my God, this movie, movie has so many yin and mm-hmm. yin. it's all over it. the the visual language of this movie is all yin and yang. Even just on a basic level, the the fountain yeah. with uh, on Octo in is it not even it's a, it's, it's a, pond. a pond it's a pond in. It's a small bond, yeah. On Octo is uh, an interpretation of yin and yang. The artistic costumes are, the sh- way shots are framed. Um, even on Canto Bite, the costumes are black and white in order to demonstrate yin and yang. It's just like, it, oh my god, it's everywhere. So it's like, obviously an overt representation of the two characters who are at the center of this film, which are Ray and Kylo. And I don't think that can be disputed. Yeah. That is. And fact.
0: and we we talked a lot about too, about Ray being an integral part of Kylo's redemption story. That was something we always saw coming, whether it was romantic or not. And that turned out to be true, and I think is still true. Um, and she played a big part in this movie in kind of opening his eyes to another path. Not exactly how she wanted, not exactly the path she wanted, but that Kylo, like, offered him a way out from under Snoke's thumb.
1: Yes. And, like, it's just so interesting, like, those, okay, so, let's just start from the beginning, right? The fact that Snoke essentially bridged their minds, and they have this forced Skype session, which we totally (laughs) predicted. (laughs) Shared vision. (laughs) Shared vision. Um yeah. So the fact that they can talk to each other and communicate with each other and open up to each other on such a personal level especially when we get to the scene where she's basically narrating her dark side cave experience and it opens up to her in in the cave in, in her little hut around a fire and they touch hands I'm sorry but there's, there's something but there.
0: It's so there's something there. What struck me in the last viewing was that there's a part of their relationship now that we haven't seen. It's like the start of that Skype session. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's – their relationship in this movie is is really interesting because they both – it's like Ray is taking the journey that the audience is taking too. And that we got to see in The Force Awakens – but I feel like a lot of fandom was like no I'm not I'm not going to like Kylo Ren he killed Han Solo I'm not into that. And Ryan completely turns this film on its head and is like let's take a peek behind the mask and how do you reach someone that seems unreachable and you connect mm-hmm. with them and you see beyond your first impression. Of them. And that's what happens with Rey and what happens with Kylo to Rey as well. He, because the thing is from Force Awakens, was Snoke already connecting their minds in Force Awakens in the interrogation scene? Because they both see each other's insecurities in that scene. Uh, Kylo sees Rey's dream about the island and her want of Han to be a father figure to her because she never had one. And Rey sees Kylo's insecurity about being afraid that he's never going to be as good as Darth Vader. So was that – did that happen naturally between the two of them? Or was that something that Snoke had created in that moment too? And then he built on it in The in the Last Jedi.
1: Exactly. And the whole line, it's okay, I feel it too. What does that even refer to yeah. at this point? Is it is it really a shared force connection at that point? Because – I think that that's the way that we should interpret it now, right? Is that they both feel a connection to each other, whether that's aggressive, whether that's not. Um, In that moment, Kylo says it's okay. I feel it too. I don't know. It's it's weird. The thing (laughs) is, I think, and there's that deleted scene too,
0: where where Snoke says that Kylo has compassion for her, and I think Kylo. It's like looking back at the Force Awakens now. Kylo was already offering Rey the galaxy, in a way, at the end of Fourth Awakens, where he's like, you need a teacher, mm-hmm. I can teach you. He's already seeing her as a way out to overcome Snoke. But Rey, Rey yeah. hadn't seen that yet. She was just, you know, it was aggressive. And we see that, too, at the beginning of The Last Jedi, when she sees him for the first time and shoots him. But Kylo isn't aggressive at all to her in those first scenes. And he's like, what's going on? How did How's
1: this working? <laughs> Does does the risky business slide <laughs> I, I down the hallway? hallway. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: how are you doing? So, like, this? What's, what's going on? <laughs> what's your what's your Wi-Fi? Are we on the same network?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so back to what you were saying is how do you how does Ryan kind of subvert our basically our feelings towards Kylo Ren in this film? We, he completely destroys the masks. Mm-hmm. First off, we see our, the character completely wrestling with this idea of letting go of who he was thought he could be. And it's so funny to me. Like, this movie made a big deal about how Kylo made his own mask and how Snoke thinks it's mm-hmm. stupid. And, I think it it, that was such an important part, I think, for his character as Snoke basically is laughing at Ben at this point and he's like, Oh my god, I need to grow up or I don't belong here. And it's just this real sense of this I I chose this path and I'm trying to I'm trying my best. I've given everything to the dark side is what he says. And he's not really getting anything back from it from Snoke. Um, in, in which case he destroys the mask. Again, probably trying to tap into that anger um, and ultimately failing to tap into that anger because he still can't pull the trigger to kill his mom mm-hmm. at that point um, right after that. Um, so then you further kind of rip, a- rip apart this image that we see of Kylo in The Force Awakens by kind of building him up as a sounding board for Ray and also giving Kylo this opportunity to talk to Ray about how they're both so lonely and how they both have nowhere to go. And they both, both their mentors have either failed them or don't yeah. even care about them. You know, I mean, Kylo Snoke doesn't really believe in him at this point And Luke has already failed Kylo basically. So it's, you basically bring these characters together by having this like very intense bond, um, that they, because they both share a very similar experience, they are both the light and the dark. They're both the yin and the yang of the force, basically, this yeah. galaxy at this point. But yes, the force.
0: I think it, what I wasn't expecting was Kylo's impact on Rey in this movie. I was like fully anticipating Rey showing Kylo the light side and, you know, saying something akin to like, it's not too late, you can still come back from this. But I didn't anticipate. Like that in reverse with with Ben to to Ray. Um, what I think is is like this really weird moment that I wish we saw more of is when she's doing that narration after the force cave and Kylo says to her, You're not alone. Like he's the one that initiates that kind of mm-hmm. vulnerability. And it's it's like something else happened before that moment because it's it's in it's in the session before that that he tells her what really happened in the cave or in the uh, in the flashback because he keeps he he's kept asking her has Luke told you what happened has Luke told you what happened because he know it's almost like he already knows that they're the same person it's like he's waiting for Ray to yeah. realize that Luke was abandoned and be- or that Kylo was abandoned and betrayed too He keeps asking her he's like did Luke tell you. No, he didn't he didn't tell you, did he?
1: And of course, like Kylo has this obvious privilege behind mm-hmm. him as he is a Skywalker, that mighty Skywalker blood. and he has all these different avenues to go down. you know, he can become basically the next supreme leader of the first order. but Ray has never really had that opportunity. So it's like it is they they're two <laughs> they're two sides mm-hmm. of the same coin really. I mean, Ryan even says, like, the dynamic between them, the light and the dark, pushing and pulling each other, is at the heart of the film. And though, although they are on opposite sides, their fates are still interlocked. To me, it's like you can't look at this movie and not come away from it knowing that somehow in the next film, it's not over. That whole door-shutting situation, it's its just not over. And it can't be, because their fates are seriously interlocked.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. And the thing is they they're like they are connected. And the, the thing I've thought about too is Ray doesn't kill Kylo when she wakes up from their their duel from pulling the lightsaber apart. She leaves. She if she had lost all faith in Kylo, she would have killed him. And she doesn't. I mean, I
1: don't I don't think she's lost faith in Kylo. I think that in that point when she shuts the door on him, um, at the end, I think that she is kind of saying no to what he has become in his anger in that moment, and mm-hmm. his like lust for power, and I I don't know if she's going to give him an, a second chance or anything, but I think I don't I don't know if it's like a complete no. Yeah, I don't, I don't
0: think it. I don't think it is either. It's just because when they when. And this is another thing I think we'll be talking about in the future months and years. Oh God, years <laughs> to come is Ray's motivation when she leaves Octo to go to Kylo because she, I mean, she is she's livid at Luke in that moment. She bests Luke Skywalker.
1: I mean, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> um, well, she's she really harnesses that anger. She's, she's at, like. Tell me the truth. Like, is it true? Is it true that you kill that you that you created Kylo Ren? Mm -hmm. That's what she says. And Um, she's mad at Luke for really not believing in him. Yeah, yeah. As she she, has has learned to do. mm -hmm. Yeah. Um.
0: And when she, but when she's leaving, she's like, "I can turn him, and this is how we're gonna win the war." And so it's like is is she and I think it's both. I think it's both. It's just a hard thing to grapple with how she is compassionate for Ben Solo and still believes there's light in Ben Solo versus also wanting that like Kylo Ren's redemption to play a role in stopping the First Order.
1: On the flip side, though, as why this co- this movie is so complicated and my feelings towards basically romantic Reylo are complicated is that this is another moment as we see with Anakin in Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith and in um, Emperor- Empire Strikes Back when Luke goes to Cloud City because he has that vision. It's an impulsive thing where he must leave. He sees
0: mm-hmm. that his
1: friends are in danger. It's it's basically the same thing with Rey here. He has She has a vision that could save the galaxy instead of you know, destroy the galaxy, which is what the other Anakin and Luke have. Um, and she firmly believes this, even though Luke warns against it. Um, I think this is her impulsiveness and her understanding her failure. So it's like, what does it mean for that, though? Because she, she did fail. Yeah, she um, did. And it's I- like... You go ahead.
0: I was just going to say how they a lot of people have been talking about how Ray and Kylo actually both have the same vision when they touch hands because Ray or because Kylo says to her, like when they're in the elevator, which also something's going on. Um, <laughs> and there's some really
1: sensual scenes in this movie. Okay. That's
0: the thing. That's the thing. I mean, that scene is just like
1: the rogue one scene with Jin and Cassian. I know they're like, I mean, Ray does invade his personal space. It's, you can't not think about those stage cues and yeah. also then just them touching hands like if you weren't sitting in your seat and thinking about how much of an intimate experience that was i i don't i don't really know like what, what movie were are watching because like ray has like a reaction she has like tears streaming down her face it's like it's intense and very intimate and maybe the most intimate I've ever seen anything in Star Wars before. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And even just like the very explicit, like, even though now it's like a a meme Kylo without his (laughs) shirt on, I, I mean, what are they setting us up for? I, you have to kind of ask that question, right? Yeah, I think you have
0: to, um, to kind of see some of the things that they've been laying out in this movie in particular, Anyway, the so when they're in the elevator scene and Ray basically spits back what Luke says in return of the Jedi, like, I've seen the conflict in you, you'll turn. But then she says, I'll help you. And mm-hmm. Kylo just looks down at her and is like, I saw a vision too, and you're going to join you're gonna join me. And it's like he he like they both had a, a plan when they got into that throne room. Or really when Ray got to the supremacy and when Kylo picks her up, like, he knows that – like, he's already had that vision, too. And I, I always wonder, like, did he know she was coming? Did Ray tell him she was coming? <laughs> um, like, what, what happened there? But they both had these expectations of the other that they were so certain were going to happen and then mm-hmm. ultimately failed. And I think I think it's great that Ray left because I think she realized that she thought she could save Kylo Ren, but Kylo Ren has to save himself. And she's like started she's like opened the door for that, like shown him that there is a way out, but he has to take the first step. She can't pull him into the light
1: herself. It's not her job to either. It's and not. like the thing is is that it's it is I mean, I've said this so many times, but it's Star Wars is all about personal choice um what's that quote it's uh no one can choose it for him he has to take his own path is that shmi right um i think in the phantom menace yeah um i i think that that quote is like so pervasive throughout all of star wars and that kylo can't be convinced by someone else to leave behind basically darkness um Even Darth Vader has his own personal choice to save his son from the Emperor. It's like, they have to have that moment. It's not... But it has to be an accepting moment. There has to be someone, I guess, accepting that there's going to be a place for them once they make that choice. Mm -hmm. So what that means for Ray, I don't know. But Kylo, if if there is a redemption in for him, which I'm still... I hope there is, um, I... I th- I think that Ray will be the one to first initially struggle with Kylo coming back, but um be open to it, I hope.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really hard to think about what their relationship in particular looks like for episode nine, uh taking into account like their Skype sessions, because obviously neither one of them create the the connection, it just kind of happens. And it happened after yeah. Snook was already dead too. So I think it's safe to think that they'll continue into episode nine as well. And just like they forged a connection in The Last Jedi from being enemies or from Rey just being like super aggressive, I hate you, to join me, join – like come and join me and we'll rule together and please don't go down this path. Um this isn't the way to do it. Like what what are their conversations gonna look like in episode nine when it does happen?
1: I don't know. All I know is that I think it has to come from Kylo's own accord.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right too. And it's it's yeah, just that last look at the very end when she shuts the door on him. Like he And he's so, he's so sad. So, he's so, he's sad. so sad.
1: In that in that moment, he's so defeated, he really realizes that his like he basically sacrificed everything for the first order, really, to fight this one guy who wasn't even there. So he's first off defeated again, and Hux had to watch him do that again. again. and <laughs> um, and he watches his basically Ray get away, his mom get away, everyone mm-hmm. get away, and he's left holding the die, the die that, that disappears disappear. As
0: well,
1: well I think yeah. It's- and it's, it's so representative that he he obviously won't be able to hold those. No way.
0: No, no. And and I think – Not in this no. state. No, and, and Kylo with Ray in that connection, in that vision, like he saw a way out. He saw a way – like he – I think like Kylo genuinely believed that he found someone who like understood him and like was on the same page with him. And then he like realizes that she wasn't. And yeah. like he really he really wanted out of the first order or at least out from under Snoke's thumb, but not in the way that Ray wanted. And it's gonna be like the question now is is Kylo going to to want to be on the light side again? And I think he will, because again, I think we've seen that shown throughout all of these films now that there is still light in him if even just in his relationship with Rey of him showing compassion to her in that fireside scene where he's like you're not alone and then of course you got to talk about what happens at the end of the throne room when he is like basically yelling at her that like you're nothing and I think it's just like Kylo is pleading with her to stay with him
1: and and taking some serious drastic measures that like aren't yeah, good and- he really, like, resorted to a he bad did. place. He did. I think
0: that's because he just, like, he didn't know what to do. And it was like, I did the, he was like, I did the, the compassionate fireside thing and she's, and we just killed all these Praetorian guards and she's still leaving. Like,
1: I. What the heck is going on? Because I had
0: this yeah, vision. Yeah, and I think, like, to him, I think Kylo realizes that he needed Ray, and I think he thought that she needed him as well. And in this moment, he's realizing that that's not necessarily true. And he's like, how do I how do I show her that she does need me? And I need to I need right. to make her feel like no one else cares about her except for me. And and like you hear in his voice, too, when he when he's like, please, like that. He it's like it's intense. So yeah. intense. And he's like, you're you're nothing but not to me. And then he just looks at her and it just says, please, like. This is his way out, and she rejects mm-hmm. him, as she should have.
1: Yeah, completely. In that moment, Rey has mm-hmm. to reject him. Yeah. There's no acceptance of Kylo as long as he is this power-hungry, like, aggressive yeah. guy, obviously. Yeah. But I, I think that we should backtrack a little bit and talk about how badass that throne My room gosh. scene was and kind of what that represents. I- <laughs> L- live for that scene again. This is why I couldn't focus on a lot of the other movie because I was waiting for this moment. It's like it's honestly. I'm so excited for it. When it's like, every, now we've seen the movie four times. When it's coming up, I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, it's know, almost here. I I'm know. so excited. I even I look at you and I'm like, we're, we're there. almost there. <laughs> it's it's like to me the best scene in all it, of Star it, Wars. It, I love it, it so is. much. And, it's like when have we ever
0: seen something like that happen never. never
1: and it's like we probably should have seen that in the prequels but it never mm-hmm. got to that point so now that we're at this point where we can see these two people who are yin and yang both representative of light and dark like working together at this moment this is what they could do when the forces yeah. balance like when they are together when they are it's, unified this is their It's peak. really the only thing that goes right in the movie for either side. Yeah. Oh my God, it's just so epic. It's also, again, there's something so Star Wars-y feeling about that when Rey grabs the lightsaber and all those awesome moves. Like, we've been talking about these, this for days, and I can't stop referencing it. I'm watching these torrented videos. Yep. I honestly can't handle I can't get yep. enough of it. It's the
0: best. <laughs> and um, Rey is
1: so aggressive in this movie, too.
0: Like, every time she's fighting, it's just a lot of, like, ha, ah, ah, ha, ah. ha. It, I love it. I'm so and it, it it's like her t- tapping into that anger too. Ray is not a perfect character either, and she is not completely light side. She's you know, and Mm-mm. I think we see that in this movie too. I mean, Luke Luke is even scared of it when she is toying with the force or seeking out the force or whatever, and she jumps into the dark side. And Luke says, "You didn't even hesitate.
1: Like you you jumped so right into the dark
0: side, and you can tell that he's like, that's not
1: good." And yeah, it offered you something that you wanted, and you didn't even hesitate. You didn't even yeah. question. You yeah. just and, went for it. And
0: Ray Ray doesn't even look like she doesn't even have a look of regret on her face after that moment. All she says is like it had something I needed,
1: and she and she's like, yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't even doesn't. think about yeah. it really. So it's it's, but it's also like on the other side of that coin, it's like Ray might have not even known that that was bad. But no, at the same says, time, she, when that, she says dark. She knows because because Luke doesn't Luke feel cold or something about when he goes into the dark side or if he taps into the dark side or something, and it's I, I, she didn't even get that feeling or have that reaction really that it was like bad. I mean I think she did because she she's like describing everything she sees and she
0: says and then darkness and luke says yes for powerful light there must be powerful darkness as well and then she says like it's calling mm-hmm. to me and there's like there's some there's a tremor in her voice but she she still she she stays the course she does it's yes. not like she she doesn't say to luke like it's pulling me in i can't stop it she says it's calling me and she answers the call what are you doing right what are you doing Man. And I I think I was listening to Scavenger's Horde's reaction to the movie and they said something that was interesting and I think is worth repeating too as like big redemption about like kind of about the divisiveness divisiveness of this movie and how hard it really is for some fans, especially when it comes to Rey and Kylo and like understanding if there is any relationship there, romantic and, and how you should feel about that. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? And I think there are really good arguments on both sides Um, and even too about a a Kylo Ren redemption moving forward into episode nine. But they said this really great thing about how as people who have been pro Kylo Ren redemption, in a way, we've already redeemed him in our minds. And so like watching this movie, we're like, yes, redemption. Yes, redemption. Because for us. It's like we've already redeemed him because we assume like that's our head canon of what is going to happen. And so it makes perfect sense for us to interpret the film in this way. Whereas for other people who have been completely anti-Kylo Ren Redemption, it's like this movie is a lot more of a shock when it comes to that storyline in particular. And so I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really good way to put it and a really good way of kind of understanding where the other side of the conversation is coming from.
1: No, completely, because I can see how you can watch that end of the movie and be like, Ray's closing the door, that whole thing is over, Mm -hmm. their bond is done. But I just don't see it that way. And I, I can't, as these two continue to be the focus of this trilogy, I... Can't imagine that that would be something that wouldn't be referenced again in episode yeah, nine. No, I
0: agree, and I think too as like now that Luke, because we said from the beginning that Last Jedi was going to be Luke, Kylo, and Ray's story, and that pretty much turned out to be true. And now Luke is gone, mm-hmm. and I assume we'll see him in Force Ghost version, but not nearly like we did in this film. So now it's it's Kylo and Ray. And Finn and Poe and Rose are obviously there too, but it's like now they're sharing all of that third part screen time, and it's going to be Kylo exactly. and Ray and what happens with them. Because now, like, Kylo, Kylo is completely alone at the end of this movie, and it's – I think he knows that he done messed up. And, <laughs> and he like he's on a personal like for him now, I think it's a personal vendetta against Ray because he feels so hurt by her abandoning him. If the moment That's ever came it. where he where he kidnaps Ray again, like you, That's it. Well no, I mean like what like with Leia True. would he be able to pull the trigger? Like say like troops like other resistance. Her uh, First oh. Order troops, like, captured Rey somehow and brought her to Kylo Ren. What would happen? Like, would he be – like, he wouldn't be able to do no. it. That's the thing. It's like now no. – he wasn't able to do no. in The Force Awakens. He basically, like, gave – like, was like, I'm going to give up the First Order for you in The Last Jedi. For as mad as he is at her, and I think he's very mad, I, I don't think he would be able to do that in The Last Jedi. We've seen his hesitation time and time again. In these films regarding his family. And those are people he felt like he had no connection to.
1: Right. (sighs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So,
0: is there anything else we want to talk about? (laughs)
1: In terms of Rey and Kylo, I don't know. I just know that this is going to be something that we're going to be talking about for years in terms of their Mm -hmm. relationship, um, platonic or romantic, and what we think about that. Um, I think they definitely have a bond, and you can't deny that because they literally have a force. bond. Yeah, they have
0: a literal force bond. And I also think (laughs) you have to acknowledge that there's, like, some sort of sexual tension going on. I mean... Oh, yeah, completely. There is. When we were watching the movie, I, I was thinking about this the whole time. I was like whoa what is going on here and i was like you know what we can we can all interpret this as like just like an intense connection of like understanding another person like heart to heart it doesn't have to be romantic but i'm gonna say it like putting a shirtless scene in there i was like what
1: (laughs) this this, like changed the game (laughs) i mean the thing (laughs) is is that caitlin and i have talked about this off microphone but it's like the only time we've ever seen Another person shirtless in Star Wars is Hayden Christensen getting out of bed with yeah. his wife. And it's like that is honestly that those both those scenes really in Revenge of the Sith, um, when Anakin is watching Padme brush her hair, and then when she when he wakes up from the bad dream are two of the most intimate scenes that we've ever gotten in Star Wars because you really get to see this glimpse of like two people who are married. And it's like in that moment when Anakin like gets up and doesn't have a shirt on. Um, He is comfortable in his own house, in his own apartment, in his own bed with his wife, and it's like, what the heck is up with Kylo? And and I mean, obviously,
0: Kylo was like in his in his own personal chambers. It's not like he invited Rey into his chambers while he was changing. Like that's not the case, obviously. But still, like I think it it it's worth drawing that parallel that the only other time we've had any kind of like. Shirtless scene, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring up like Slave Leia and like the Slave Twilix and everything in Jabba's palace. That's like a whole other conversation. But between like two characters who have a connection is in Revenge of the Sith, and I I don't know. It's like we always talk about how Star Wars George Lucas says a lot that Star Wars rhymes, and this film feels like a kind of direction George Lucas might have taken. Like you can definitely see his fingerprints on it a lot more, I think than in The Force Awakens. As far as like Totally. Again, it's something
1: completely new as well. Yeah. Something that George would do. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think we just want to end our episode by a reminder that this is the middle chapter. Things are supposed to be bad right now. Um this is Mm -hmm. not the end of the story. We'll see you in twenty (laughs) nineteen.
1: No. (laughs) Peace (laughs) out. Well just Just (laughs) to Before we peace out, basically, Caitlin and I, we mentioned this on our initial reaction podcast, but if you've made it this far, we are going to be doing throughout December and like in the beginning of January, probably in just terms of release. um, We are going to go through story, a whole episode on story of The Last Jedi, a whole episode on characters, and a whole episode about like your Q&A and kind of a catch all section of what we didn't cover before. So if you have any questions or what you want us to cover in that Q&A section, please email us at SkyTalkersPodcast at gmail.com or send us a DM or a tweet. You know where to find us at SkyTalkersPod. And yes. yes.
0: So thank you guys so much for listening to our The Last Jedi first pseudo in-depth breakdown. We'll be doing more of them in the months and years to come. And this has been really fun. And if you didn't like The Last Jedi, uh, I would encourage you to go back and see it again. Because I know I enjoyed it a lot more in subsequent viewings. Um, Even, like, yeah. So I would just encourage you to see it again. And if you don't like it, that's fine, too. You're not required to like all of Star Wars.
1: Totally. There's so much for us to choose from. And before we go, I just want to say thank you to our awesome patrons. Um, I'm going to name them now. Lynn, Neil, Jim, Suara, BJ, Ryan, Emma, Amy, Erin, Robbie, Kirsty, Cherie, Kyle, Brandon, and Chuck. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world to us, seriously. Yes, it does. And with that, we are going to sign off, right, yeah, 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 we're <laughs> going to sign off now.
0: <laughs> All right, may the force be with you. May the
1: force be with you.